Hello and welcome to Account Instruction Help and How To. In this lecture we're going to be talking about gross domestic product and measuring the aggregate economy. At the end of this we will be able to calculate gross domestic product or GDP, calculate aggregate income, and distinguish real from nominal ideas as well as describe the limitations in using the gross domestic product calculation. We'll start off with the definition of gross domestic product, gross domestic product or GDP being total market value of all final goods and services produced in an economy over one year time period. So what does this mean? What are we measuring here? If we were to compare this to us measuring say a company's performance and look at the financial statements or compare this to the financial statements, are we talking about the balance sheet or the income statement? We are talking in terms of gross domestic products, something similar to the income statement, meaning we're talking about timing, we're looking at performance. We're trying to see what something is doing over a certain time period. For example, it's similar to if we were to see a movie and someone's falling off a cliff in the first frame of the movie. That first frame, that's the balance sheet account. That's where they are at that point in the movie, not a good situation. If we want to know how they got to that point in time, we have to look at the timing. We've got to look at the movie, actually walk through the movie and see what happened, what are the events that happened in order to lead to that situation at the end of the movie. That's going to be similar to this idea here, gross domestic product being what is the story, what is happening over time, as opposed to the end area, where do we stand at this point in time. It's also important to note that gross domestic product indicates that that varies, this number varies in terms of how much we as a country or an economies change over time, it can vary a lot. And this is something that is also often lost when we think about the other side of macroeconomic issues and that being the consumption side. We always get, we often get stuck in the idea that we have a fixed amount of pie in order to consume and distribute in different ways as if we're just consuming the raw materials. But that's not really the case. Really the gross domestic product, the actual pie that we're distributing can grow or it can shrink based on different factors of inputs. And we know that the things that we actually consume, they do consist of raw materials, but the majority of the stuff we actually consume is basically labor and machine hours are going to be a huge component of that. And that's good because that means that we can actually produce more stuff. If we can be more efficient, we can make more stuff. And if we have more stuff, then we can have more stuff to distribute in some way. We'll talk about distributing later, but GDP being that macroeconomic idea of how much stuff do we have uh, to distribute and how do we measure that and measure performance over time. So calculating GDP, how do we calculate it? Calculating GDP requires adding together millions of different services and products. And so we can see that in concept, that's not that difficult for us to conceptualize. We can see, okay, we're trying to add up all the uh, goods and services from the entire economy. And what we're going to do is we're going to say all the quantity of goods and services and multiply this goods and services times their market price and then add up all those goods and services. That would be the total GDP. So what we're doing there is we're basically taking all the goods and services that we make, the things that we're producing, we're measuring them with the best tool that we know how to measure things with, dollars or currency in some way, and then we're going to add them all together. That's going to be the gross domestic product. Again, in theory, this makes perfect sense. In practice, it's a little bit more difficult. We'll talk about how to actually calculate that in a second, different kind of ways to calculate that in a second, but we can see that the calculation can be difficult. It's amazing how well we can calculate in some different ways to come up with a GDP number that is useful, useful in terms of decision making, useful in terms of 
uh, the performance, how we're performing. We'll talk a bit more about the details, what will be included in that calculation, what will be excluded in a bit, but we also want to recognize at this point in time that we can think about this concept of what is GDP from both sides of basically the accounting ledger. We could say that we're measuring all the stuff that we make, that's what we're making, and we can break them out in terms of what we're producing. We can also measure it in terms of the spending income side because we know that any expenditure on one side is going to be income on the other side. So we can kind of break this gross domestic product down in a couple ways. Most common way to break it down is divided in four expenditure categories. So we're going to take the GDP number, we're going to divide it into four expenditure categories. So GDP, the full thing, the stuff that we make as an economy. If we break this out into four factors, this is often useful because then we can try to figure out which of these factors is uh, responsible for a certain trend and whatnot. So those factors will then be factors of GDP. One, consumption, spending by households on goods and services. So that's you and I's spending. That's going to be consumption represented with a C oftentimes. Then investments, spending on the purpose of additional production. Note, when we think about investment, we're not really just thinking about uh, like investments in stocks and bonds. We're thinking more on a company's investments when we're thinking about investing in long-term assets like property, plant, and equipment assets that are going to be used for production in the future investments generally being represented with the i and the r equation then we have government spending goods and services that the government buys and this doesn't include transfer payments and we'll talk about that later but the things that the government actually is the end consumer of and so we'll talk more about that in a bit but government spending included in the total gross domestic product then net expenditures we usually group net expenditures into one area in the fourth component and we know that if we didn't have if we were an economy all of ourselves and we didn't trade with other economies, then we'd have consumption, investment, government spending. But we note that some of the stuff that we consume was actually produced somewhere else. That's going to be our imports. And we note that some of the stuff that we make here is consumed elsewhere. That's going to be our exports. So if we, if we made it here, that's part of the stuff that we made. So we want to add that to the GDP. If, we're, if it's the imports, that was made elsewhere although we consumed it, so we're going to subtract that out. So the net exports is going to be exports minus imports. And exports is still a really important number because, of course, the fact that we export it doesn't mean that we lost the value of the exports. It means that it allowed us to have the imports. So that's why we basically can kind of net those out. Four components then being consumption, investment, government spending, net exports, meaning exports minus the imports. So if we looked at this in terms of equation, an equation, and we shortened things down, we'd have gross domestic product in terms of just GDP equaling C plus I plus G plus, we can have X minus M or gross domestic product equals consumption plus uh, investment plus government spending plus exports minus imports. So that's going to be our formula for GDP. If we were to break them out in that format and look at, say, the U.S. economy, we would see that the consumption total is the by far the largest category that we're thinking about so we're trying to try to see what is happening in terms of a gdp calculation the consumption side is going to have a big impact around 70 percent generally so gdp is a flow concept so i want to point out again gdp doesn't measure where we are at a percent at a point in time it measures how we're doing so if we talked about someone's income like bill gates income we'd say bill gates has a lot of income at this point in time if we want to know how we got to that point in time, we could look at past performance and say, what is the income statement over the past and see, you know, what was the story? 
if we were looking at a total a current income statement, it might be that the current income statement, the performance in terms of income, which isn't the only measure of, of how we should measure things, but the income might be not as big, large now as some years in the past, that would be measuring the performance in terms of income this year compared to the last year. Of course, income over a time period is going to have an effect on the balance sheet where we stand at a certain point in time in terms of wealth. But that one period of income is just measuring the performance of that one period. That's basically what we're doing in terms of gross domestic product, measuring performance, how we're doing over time, rather than the balance sheet account, how we are at at this point in time. A few more details in terms of the measuring of gross domestic product. When we measure gross domestic product, we can only measure the final output in the gross domestic product in terms of goods and services. So you might have been thinking, if we were thinking about just this general calculation, how would we do this? And you might have thought, well, if we're producing something like guitars and we've counted the wood that was made and then the, the refining of that wood into planks and then the planks into a guitar and then we actually sold the guitar, well, if we included all those factors within uh, the price, we might be, we'll be double counting in certain areas. So when we think of the gross domestic product, we're usually thinking about those end goods when it finally gets consumed. If you're talking about the end guitar that someone actually purchases and uses, that includes all the factors of production, whether being made by one company or multiple companies. So if if uh, you know the wood was made here and then was processed by another company and then it was sold to the guitar company and the guitar company sold the guitar to a sales place and who then sold it to uh, uh, the end consumer we have the the inputs in terms of the goods and then we have the service involved in terms of the production of the goods as well as the service involved in terms of selling the goods all part of the gross domestic product included in the last sales price so we're really looking at that final consumption area business to business sales not included because uh, it's going to ultimately be sold to the final customer at that point that's when total value is included in in the goods and services we can think about this calculation in two different ways one we can we can basically just count add up all the end purchases all the purchases from the final consumption and that would give us the gross domestic product we can also think about it in terms of the value added so we can try to go through the value chain and see what the value was added. So if we're looking at the guitar, the actual processing of the wood, what's the value added there? What's the value added from that point to the processing of the planks of wood? What's the value added from the processing of the planks of woods to the guitar? What's the value added from the guitar to the store that actually does the sales process to sell it? And those two things will, will eventually be equivalent. So the end sales price is going to be equal to the value added along in the supply chain if we were just going to add the sales price at each level within the, within the value chain and subtract out the costs of the prior area. So if we talked about the wood and then they sell the wood, the uh, when we process the wood into planks, we would say the plank processing price when they sell it minus the value of the wood that they purchased. When they sell it to the store, we would take the value of the uh, product after it was produced into a guitar minus the cost that they purchased the wood for and, and so on and that would give us the value along the chain useful in many ways because if we want to look at the value of the value chain then it's useful to calculate GDP in that format. Now there's some things we want to note that are going to be in GDP and some things that are not going to be included in GDP. For, the, for example the value of the resale of goods so if we, we had used cars and we're going to resell the car the car obviously didn't get produced again so the resale of the car isn't adding to the car production 
However, it does add to the value added by the used car dealer. The service involved in that should be included in GDP, even though the car did not get reproduced. <laughs> so we're not, we don't want to include the, the value of the car again. We want it because it wasn't produced. We do want to add the service that was in the sale. For example, uh, sales of stocks and bonds aren't, aren't going to be in GDP, but the commission on the sales of the stocks and bonds are going to be something in GDP because the commission is a service that happened. Uh, government transfer payments. So if a lot of government spending isn't actually spending on stuff, if we're talking about the government spending on infrastructure, they're building roads and infrastructure, that would be included. But if we're talking about a huge part of the budget in terms of like uh, transfer payments, in terms of a social security check, the social security check isn't part of government spending. Why? Because it hasn't contributed to, to GDP. What it's done is transferred money from the government to the household. When the household then spends it, then it will be included in GDP. But it's just the transfer of the money from the government to the household is not uh, included. And then just things like housework are things that probably should be in GDP in, in a lot of ways, but isn't in GDP because you can understand that it would be difficult to, to calculate. So things like child rearing, house care, and that, those types of costs obviously are factors, huge factors within the economy, but things that are you know, imperfect measuring tools in terms of trying to measure things in terms of dollars, dollars being a great tool, but not something that really can capture everything uh, within the economy. One thing it doesn't capture is household work. And so, of course, household work is something that's not included in, in uh, the GDP calculation. We can also make some different calculations. Most of the time you're going to hear GDP. If you, if you hear G, uh, the, the major of the economy or the major term that you're going to hear in macroeconomics, you're going to hear gross domestic product. But there are some variations on the gross domestic product that uh, you might want to keep in mind. Gross domestic product is going to be the term you'll hear most often. But we also might hear a net domestic product, which is going to be major output available for the purchase. So net domestic product, what we're going to do is subtract out depreciation. And that's similar to if we're thinking about an, an income statement or a business, we're going to basically depreciate those investments, those capital investments that we had. We then uh, subtract out the depreciation. Depreciation not being something in terms of a cost flow uh, because there's, there's not a cash value involved, but something that uh, should be in place in terms of value loss, in terms of the depletion of the investments, property, and equipment. So net domestic product would be similar to gross domestic product in that we would just add to it the subtraction of depreciation. So net domestic product then would be the consumption plus investment plus government spending uh, plus net exports minus the depreciation on the, uh, on the investments basically. We also might hear a variation of the gross domestic product in terms of a gross national product. So the gross domestic product is the output produced within a country's borders, what we make within the country's border as opposed to the gross national product is the output produced by the country's citizens. So the gross national product would then be the gross domestic product plus net foreign factor income. So net foreign factor income is the income from foreign domestic factor sources minus foreign factor income earned domestically. So again, gross domestic prob product probably is going to be the far more used term. Gross domestic product being the output produced within a country's borders the gross national product being output produced by a country's citizens. Now we can take a look at the other side of the, of the equation. So remember that whenever a good or service is produced, somebody receives an income for that good or service. So when we thought about GDP, we thought about the idea that people were going to sell the production, we made stuff, then we sold it. 
Then, of course, we also have the other side being income. So everything that is sold, everything that is an expense to one person is going to be income to the other person. Therefore, in theory, we know that aggregate income equals aggregate production. This allows us to calculate GDP by adding up all the values of the input, which was consumption, the investment, the government spending, and the net exports, or by adding up all the values of uh, the earnings involved, looking at the other side of the transaction. Aggregate income, including things like employee compensation, rents, interest, profits. So these are going to be the income sides of the transactions rather than the production sides of the transactions, looking at the income side rather than the cost side. And it kind of gives us a double check in theory. These two things should be the same. If we were to measure this out in terms of the U.S. and we were looking at these categories in terms of aggregate income, we would see that the employee compensation is going to be the largest part, around 70% of the aggregate income calculation this type of breakout being a useful type of breakout as well when we're considering these numbers and these total concepts for the total economy so real gdp versus nominal gdp now we note that when we think about gdp we're thinking about the dollar amount for this time period and we know that what we're trying to do is compare time period over time period just like we do for an income statement for a company we're trying to compare time period to time period in order to do that, we really need to consider the idea of inflation, the value of the dollars. And we've all heard that if we talk about uh, a long time ago, we'd say, well, but a hamburger used to only cost a dollar or something like that, and now it costs $10. Well, the hamburger, did it change? No, the hamburger didn't change. It's just that the value of the dollar changed. It went down. <laughs> and that's normally the case. Usually there's going to be inflation, meaning the purchasing power of the dollar is going to go down, meaning that the only difference between a hamburger before and a hamburger now possibly would be the change in terms of the inflation. That's not what we want to measure. That's kind of an unreal uh, difference. We don't want to say that gross domestic product is higher now than it was in the past just because the value of our currency has is, is less valued than it was in the past. It is true that uh, the value now and in the U.S. Is, is, is higher in terms of the things that we can consume, but we need to be able to measure it better than, than being able to mention just uh, the, no, the uh, nominal GDP. We need to get down to the, to the real GDP and try to measure this in terms of constant numbers. So what we're trying to do is say using constant prices. So whatever that constant price may be, we want to use basically a base year and value both of the two comparing years that we are comparing in terms of a base year and eliminate the inflation when we're comparing what the actual production was. What we want to do is see if we made more stuff what we don't want to do is just say that we valued the more stuff higher because of a, a devaluation in our measuring tool the the ruler being the currency definition then being that nominal gdp is gdp calculated at the current prices and the real gdp is the idea of the gdp at constant prices if we take an example of this we might imagine that the gdp rises from 9 trillion to 11 trillion if we were to compare 9 trillion to the 11 trillion we'd say hey there's a 2 trillion dollar increase in gdp if we took the 2 trillion divided by the prior year the 9 trillion that we started at we would say that's a 22 percent increase in the gdp but what we really want to do is take into consideration the increase in the prices as well if we say that the prices went up by 20 percent then we would have to take that into consideration. If we took the 11 trillion that we are at at the, at the second year and divide it by 120%, 1.2, then we would say that the actual uh, GDP in constant dollars would be 9.1 trillion, 
And so if we compare 9.1 in the same level of currency to the 9 trillion, we have a $0.1 trillion difference in that case, which is, of course is a, is a lot different. And we can see that these differences, when we compare companies over time, this is a significant number. But as we compare large numbers, of course, uh, this changes in terms of inflations can be large. Also note that it changes a lot from time period to time period in terms of how large the inflation is going to be. We have some time periods that have very large inflationary periods, some with less large inflationary periods. And of course, from country to country, we have some countries that have very large inflationary times or in large inflationary times and some countries that are able to keep their inflationary times low. Uh, generally, just in terms of policy, in terms of inflation, we would like to have the inflation be somewhat constant, have somewhat constant uh, increase in the money supplies at a controlled rate but that's not always the case and we need to uh, measure this stuff out note that also when we're talking about big dollar amounts the inflation has a big impact so if we're talking about our income from year to year inflation does have an impact and we want to calculate that and figure that in especially if we're talking about uh, a long time ago more than one comparing one year to one year but it may have a bigger impact when once we're talking about larger dollar amounts, talking about trillions of dollars in terms of the GDP for an entire uh, economy. We can apply this nominal to real idea in different areas as well. We often apply it to interest rates. So for example, if we took out a loan and we said we're going to have an 8% interest rate, and that is the actual rate, that's going to be the nominal interest rate. If we then said that the inflation was 3%, then we would say, okay, the real interest rate is really the nominal interest rate, 8% minus the inflation of 3%. The real rate is only 5%. Why would that be? First, we can think of interest as kind of like the rent on the money we're borrowing. So it's just like if we went to uh, rent an apartment, then the rent that we're paying is for the use of the place, the place, the property, we're paying rent for the use of the property. If we think about interest, we're really just paying for the value the use of the money that's not really ours that we're going to have to give back so we have to give back the money plus we have to give back the rent for the use of the money but really the cost of the use of the money isn't the eight percent eight percent isn't really the value in terms of the use of the money it's really only five percent because the three percent is just the the devaluation of the currency the devaluation of the currency is going to be three percent so if we had an interest rate of three percent that would only be equivalent to the purchasing power of the dollar. So when we say it's 8%, really there's only the 5%, the 8 minus the 3%, that is really due to the rent on uh, the, the money that we're borrowing. The other 3% just has to do with the fact that the value of the dollar is going to go down. We've talked about gross domestic product, and we want to be able to measure gross domestic product and how different countries are doing as well. So when we think about different economies, we need to have some type of averaging concept in order to average out gross domestic product. For example, just like if we we're trying to compare a large hamburger place like McDonald's to a small hamburger place, we can't really do it in just total dollar amounts because, of course, the large McDonald's is a lot larger in terms of total dollars than a smaller hamburger place. But what we can do is we can look at averages. And so we want to do the same thing with uh, countries and different types of economies. If we look at the total output in terms of total GDP, kind of like the income statement, all the stuff that the total economy is making, we would assume that it would be a lot higher for countries that have more people in it. They have more resources in order to make more stuff, mainly those resources being the people that are contributing to the production of things, as opposed to countries that have less people in it, we would assume that the gross domestic product would be smaller. And that would generally be the case. How are we going to average that out? 
Well, we could take the gross domestic product divided by the people. So we call that per capita GDP. So that's going to be our way to average it. So when we think about how we're going to compare country to country when the countries aren't the same sizes, we can't just compare the total GDP. What we can do is to have an average, just like we do when we average other things out like financial statements. We take that total GDP and divide by the number of people in the country. Obviously, this is going to be a useful number in a lot of ways because it gives us that, that rough number in order to average. But it doesn't take in, note that this doesn't mean, of course, that we have the total GDP and everything gets distributed in that way. This wouldn't be the idea that we'd have the total GDP, all the stuff that we make, and we would distribute it completely evenly. It doesn't mean, per capita GDP doesn't mean that everything gets distributed evenly. The problem of distribution, who gets what, that question in an economy, and the problem of how much stuff can we produce, how big can the pie be, are usually different things, and they're often contradictory in some ways in terms of having the, the increase in the pie versus the distribution. We'll talk about distribution later, but just the idea of the total GDP divided by the number of people gives us kind of an approximate number of the average GDP, which can be useful in a lot of different areas. Some other problems with this type of calculation is there are also going to be kind of non-market activities that aren't included in the per capita GDP, and we also note that prices differ. So the dollar goes a lot further in some areas than other areas. The purchasing power is going to be a lot different in some areas than other areas. So that can kind of throw off our average. So again, the average really good for approximating numbers. But it does have problems. And there's a lot of different variations that are out there that people try to put together in order to account for some of these different changes in order to get at the exact thing that they're looking for. Also note that GDP doesn't include some things in it. There's going to be some limitations, of course, to the GDP calculation, this estimate that we're going to use. Again, very good estimate that we have. The fact that we can put numbers together that are useful at this level is, is incredible. But of course, there's going to be some problems with the GDP calculation. For example, it doesn't take into things like welfare. It doesn't take into things like happiness. Remember, when we measure something, we're measuring with the best tool we have. The best tool we have is generally going to be dollars. We're trying to measure in terms of dollars. But dollars, of course, doesn't measure everything. The ultimate goal, a lot of people would say, would be happiness. And it's hard to convert dollars to happiness, possibly. Although an argument could be made that uh, countries that have a higher per capita GDP also measure better in happiness. So if we were to do a happiness survey in, in terms of different countries or different individuals and try to correlate that to GDP, it's an interesting thing to look at and we would think that the lower income individuals people that don't have the subsistence needs would get a lot more happiness as uh, the the income level rises and then possibly at some level it's possible that the added increase in terms of per capita gdp may not provide as much once those subsistence needs are there but there is a correlation of course with uh, gdp per capita growth and things like happiness so it can tell us something in that regard as well, although it's not measuring happiness uh, directly. We also have obvious problems when we look at something that is this large in terms of the calculation, in terms of problems of the calculation. Things like inflation can throw off the calculation. We can have problems with the estimates in terms of what actual GDP is. We also know that some subcategories can have crossover. They can they can be not and they can be interdependent in some ways. For example, uh, the line between consumption and investment may be unclear sometimes, and that could cause some problems with the measuring tools that we're using.